Welcome to The Rentals, The Bottom Line, a podcast featuring conversations and interviews with people from around the rental industry, with a look at the challenges, questions, goals, and tips that business owners want to know about and have answered. Welcome back to another episode of Rentals, The Bottom Line. I'm editor Alexis Brum. In early November, I was lucky enough to speak with Jeff Stahoviak, National Safety Training Director at Sunbelt Rentals. Jeff and I spoke about the new ANSI standards, which went into effect June 1st, 2020, and the impact they've had on the rental industry so far. Let's get to the bottom of that now. So Jeff, welcome. Could you start by introducing yourself and telling us a bit about you? Yeah, certainly. I'm uh, Jeff Stahoviak. I'm the Safety Training Director for Sunbelt Rentals. I've been at Sunbelt since they acquired a company I was with in 2000, and I'm 34 years in the business. I'm actually 34 years with the same company, but it's been five different companies over the years, Sunbelt being the longest one. Uh, they purchased a company called uh, BET Plant Services back in 2000, which was the biggest acquisition they did at the time. And uh, I became Safety Director, Safety Training, and then uh, back into safety training and safety training director now. So 34 years in the rental business, I was in sales, marketing, and uh, got dragged into safety because uh, basically nobody else would do it back in the day. <laughs> well, it sounds like you have a little bit of experience in everything then. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yes, yes. So obviously the ANSI standards have been a really big deal in the industry for quite a while. Um, you mentioned it was probably around eight years or so. After being pushed back a few times, they finally took effect in June of this year. What have you seen post-implementation throughout the industry? Well, we actually started getting, there's, a, there's three different changes to the standard. Uh, there's this design, uh, which is the actual lift itself, uh, new, new things that it does or doesn't do. Um, then there's safe use, which it pretty much applies to everybody that uses the equipment, and training standards. So. Um, it's kind of kind of unusual that it took this long because it literally copied the International Standards Organization um, standard that came out in 2001 um, and uh, went uh, went into effect in Europe shortly after that. Um, so it's really not new to the industry like the manufacturers, but it is new to the United States and to Canada. Uh, so. Uh, the biggest, the biggest thing is it's going to take several years for the new designs to infiltrate our rental fleets. A typical life of a, a boom lift or scissor lift in any rental fleet is about eight to 10 years. So it's going to take that long for the new fleet, new designs to infiltrate or the fleet to flip uh, to the new standards. And the example I always use for people to make it understandable is if you uh, I, lo I love cars, so I watch the Meekum auctions and, and uh, Barrett-Jackson auctions on TV and, and uh, one of my favorite cars is a 69 Mustang, you know, Shelby edition, Mach 1. If you were uh, lucky enough to be able to bid on one of those cars and bought that car, you would not have to put uh, anti-lock brakes or airbags on it, right? So um, you don't have to bring it up to today's standards in automobile safety. And it's the same thing with equipment. Uh, so, uh, in fact, you know, JLG and Genie and several third parties remanufacture uh, boom lifts and scissor lifts, and they only have to be remanufactured to the original date they were manufactured. So, uh, we and several rental companies do buy some remanufactured equipment, substantial savings, um, 
like new warranty, everything, everything that comes with it. Um, so you, it's going to be, you know, eight to 10 years to flip fleets, plus some of the old stuff's still going to hang around and remanufactured as well. Right. I love that Mustang analogy. Yeah. That was yeah. a really great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the customers really haven't noticed anything yet. There's not enough new mobile elevator platforms out there yet. Um, for them to see but you know a lot of the questions revolve around uh, what additional training do our people need uh, supervisor training we're doing a lot of supervisor training now and, and I tell people all the time for years I've said for a supervisor if the supervisor this is kind of a, a weird thing in training you know we train all the worker bees uh, but rarely does a supervisor sit in on the class and the supervisor is the one who has to you know uh, enforce the rules per se you know because after we train you know we leave um, yeah. You know, we're not there to to uh, enforce what's right or wrong, and supervisors now have to have training per the ANSI standard, and you know, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, can you provide some further insight into the changes to the standards? Uh, I know they went through quite an appeals process. Is there anything worth noting? Well, there is still another appeal alive by the American Rental Association, a group of rental companies. Um, in fact, uh, we are having a hearing with ANSI uh, Board of Review um, Thursday. Um, again, uh, this will be the second one, uh, regarding a thing called the Manual of Responsibilities that the SAIA publishes, who's the secretariat to the ANSI committee. So they're still up in the air. The standard did go in effect officially June 1st. And that what that means is, uh, the manufacturers had to start manufacturing the new designs as of June 1st, even though JLG and Genie had already started uh, some manufacturing and shipping of, of new uh, A9220. That's what we call them in the industry, A92.20. Mm -hmm. um, that's the standard. Uh, booms and scissors. Um, they, so they, they started shipping them. We started getting some Genie lifts back in November of 2018. So, um, you know, that's how long this has been going on. Yeah. Um, but we started making changes to the standard. Uh, we had to reaffirm the 2006 standard in 2014, and we had already been starting to work on the standard. And it's simply the reason we redid the standard was simply to harmonize with international standards and other standards around the world. So Canada was different, ANSI was different, Australia was different, Asia was different, Europe was different. So now we're all kind of on the same page. It's probably 85% the same, but for, for sure the designs are all the same. So now when JLG or Genius Skyjack or whoever makes a boom lift wherever, they can ship it wherever, but they couldn't do that before. So it kind of harmonizes the standards. So that was the main reason behind that. The major changes are load sensing. I think that's the one most people are going to notice um, that the machine is actually going to measure how much weight's in the platform, including tools, materials, um, and if it if you're overloaded, it's not going to operate, or it's only going to operate in a certain envelope. It won't go out as far, won't go up as high, perhaps like that. So you got to look at each lift, um, and then with that will come new calibration for road techs. So rental techs will have to learn how to recalibrate or calibrate these machines because of the load sensing uh, feature. Uh, and also uh, drive cutout when elevated and the chassis is at a level, usually five degrees. So now, uh, and current booms or old older booms, when you're out of level, it'll, you'll lose boom up and extend functions, but now you're gonna lose drive as well um, if you're out of level 
and elevate it. So as a rental company, keep in mind that a lot of drivers, they like to raise the boom up high to see over the counterweight to get on their truck or come off their truck. Uh, that could be rather dangerous now because the machine is actually going to stop if they are up too high and they come off that uh, ramp or dovetail in their truck, uh, the machine could stop and uh, could give them a little jolt in the basket moving, bouncing around. So that, yeah. that's another thing to be aware of. Absolutely. So moving on, has there been any interesting outcomes that weren't quite expected? Are there any surprises or positives? Well, the surprise was, you know, a lot of, there's some people out there that think uh, the design changes are retroactive and they're not. Um, that's misunderstood oftentimes. Mm -hmm. um, we've had some safety professionals actually think that, you know, we were going to throw away all 120,000 MUPS we have in our fleet and buy new ones. I, I don't know how could you even <laughs> think that, but uh, they thought that uh, somehow. Um, and, you know, it's so funny because they'll say that or they'll say it in a text or email or something to me and I'll, I'll I usually call them. And it's like a light bulb goes off in their head. And so, of course, you know, um, uh, it'll take, you know, several years for the new designs to integrate in the fleets. And the new standard and all the publicity has really put a spotlight on necessary training for operators, occupants, and supervisors. Now, training has always been required for operators and occupants, but we now have it in the standard and it includes supervisors. And I think that's going to make a big difference. And my message to that is, you know, yes, you can do a separate supervisor class, but in my opinion, I think a supervisor should just sit in on an operator class um, and, and learn what the operators are learning as well. <clears throat> big thing is, you know, stay away from power lines. That's a big one. That's an interesting one too, not really related to this new standard, but uh, of all the things uh, that surprise me in training, uh, the one thing that is often misunderstood or not understood is that our lifts that we ran, sizzlers and boomers, are not designed to work near power lines. And I've actually had people come up to me during the class or after the class and say they didn't know that. Um, they thought they could work near power lines, even though there's labels all over the machine <laughs> that says, you know, stay 10 feet away from energized power lines. Uh, I don't know. I have I, not gotten into their minds to figure out why they think they're insulated or can work near power lines, but uh, in any case, that is a, a very misunderstood thing. And that is one of the five areas that kills people on MUPS is uh, power lines. Yeah, I've read that before. I've written an article on that, so I know how dangerous it is. Yep, yep. So let's talk about our rental business owners. What are some best practices for adherence to the standards when it comes to these particular business owners? Well, number one is when you make the investment in training, uh, wherever you get it, uh, make sure it's quality and up to date and, and your people learn what to do and not to do. Um, so many uh, people look at price for training and, and time and uh, neither one of those will tell you anything about the quality of the training, um, except that, you know, the customer business owner usually wants something that's short and sweet and cheap. Um, and that's not going to really get it. This is, uh, again, going back to, you know, when we do training, uh, people don't understand why an operator class takes almost four hours of classroom and then two hours of hands-on. And, but once they sit through the class, they walk out of there going, man, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And these are people that have been operating this equipment for 15, 20 years. So, um, 
there's just a lot people don't know. And then um, keep in mind, it's always up to the employer to ensure his employees understand their duties and roles. So um, that's, a, that's a big one uh, for a small business owner to understand is um, the employer is responsible for that employee understanding their duties and roles in operating all equipment um, and their safety. Uh, you know, we say that the employee is responsible for their own safety. However, the employer has to make sure the employee, you know, knows what's right and wrong. Um, I always use the example of, you know, teaching your kid that the stove is hot, right? Um, you can say it's hot. Until they touch it, they won't understand what hot is. And we can't have everybody touching a stove to learn what something that something's dangerous. Right. Um, Set them up for success. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So how do the standards overall affect the rental market then? I know you touched on it a little bit earlier, but. Yeah, so uh, higher costs uh, and higher maintenance costs uh, and probably aggravated customers at some point. Um, so initial costs, we're looking at six to 10% increase in prices. Uh, there's two reasons for the increase in prices. Number one is the technology of load sensing and out of level drive cutout and things like that but also uh, there's a new wind calculation. And uh, ANSI was kind of uh, behind on uh, the formula for calculating wind loads. And ISO had a, had a uh, more up-to-date formula and that added a considerable amount of weight to lifts. So um, 19 foot sizzlers are gonna be three to 400 pounds heavier. A 60 foot boom could be about 2000 pounds heavier and um, because of these new wind calculations. And uh, when you add weight, you add cost. So um, those are the two reasons for higher costs. Maintenance costs are gonna go up because uh, you gotta calibrate these machines now. Um, there's an extra limit switch for that drive cutout. Um, uh, you just got other, and, and you're gonna have uh, perhaps upset customers, especially uh, the big thing we haven't seen yet is, because uh, we just don't have enough of the new machines yet is you know, a guy who's got, it's not unusual for a big job to have, you know, 10 boom lifts on the job. But he has five with load sensing and five without, and he's not having a problem with the old ones, but he is having a problem with the new ones, you know, because he's overloading them, which we know customers overload this equipment all the time. Um, you know, that that's going to be a customer uh, relationship issue. <laughs> and your service, your service guys are going to be going out there saying, there's nothing wrong with this machine, you're just overloading it. Um, so it's been interesting to see how that all, all that pans out as the years pass. Um, you know, and additional training and tech training costs. So um, those are gonna, uh, those are gonna be uh, some of the additional costs to the rental market. Now, for our last question, what is the future of the standards? What will we see in terms of further changes or additions down the road? Well, this is my one sales pitch to uh, rental people. Uh, we have a contingent of rental companies now on the ANSI committee. There's about 90 total members and we have about eight, including American Rental Association as members uh, on the committee. Um, the future of the ANSI standards is your involvement. Um, if you're happy with all these changes, do nothing. Uh, if you're not involved with the committee and ARA, uh, we need your votes to make changes and alter changes that benefit our industry. Um, personally, I'm, I'm not thrilled about the, the design changes. I think the safe use and 
training changes are, are, are great, but the design changes, I'm not sure are gonna move the needle on, uh, on safety. And, um, you know, we need the rental industry to speak up and say, you know, what is on your mind about this, about a mobile building work platform equipment? What do you wanna see? What you don't wanna see? Um, this equipment's gotten very complicated. And I jokingly say, you know, a sizzle lift goes straight up and down, drives forwards, backwards, turns left and right. Yet the controls are pretty complicated. Um, when you, especially when you go from one manufacturer to another and the way they operate. And now we have some sizzle lifts in the new designs that are gonna be indoor and outdoor. They're gonna be dual purpose. Um, and you're gonna have to select where, you, where you're gonna be. Are you gonna be indoor away from the wind or are you gonna be outdoor exposed to the wind? And lifts that are, uh, if you select wind, uh, they may not go, go up as high. They may have limited capacity, meaning only one person can go up instead of two or three. Um, gosh, that's just complicated for a scissor lift. Um, and I have to, you know, I have to train people on this. And they ask me, why does it take three or four hours for classroom? Because, and we only deal at Sunbelt, we deal with three manufacturers. Um, it's, you know, trying to explain how, you know, a JLG works versus Genie works, works versus a Skyjack. Uh, it's it's crazy. Um, so we need rental companies involved in the ANSI committee. You're the users, you're the buyers of this equipment. The best thing about being on the committee is not necessarily the meetings. The meetings can be boring, can be contentious. What's really interesting is breakfast, lunch, dinner, cocktail hour, where you get to sit down, not with sales reps from the manufacturers, the actual engineers who are responsible for designing this equipment. So you will sit down with the head of the scissor lift division with JLG. You will sit down with the head of uh, boom, boom lifts with Genie. Um, you know, this is, this is where decisions are, are made and this is where you're gonna get heard about what you like or don't like about this equipment. And, uh, you know, we're involved, Sunbelt's involved, United Rentals is involved, H&E's involved, um, um, Sunstate, um, we all are on the committee and a few other rental companies in the American Rental Association, but we need a lot more uh, rental companies involved um, to get what we want or what you want out of this business. Involvement is so important. Yeah, and we are here, the, the members of the rental group, we're here to help you, you know, get signed up, get, get approved, uh, kind of, I call it mentoring you through the process, getting you introduced to people when you come to a meeting or get your, hopefully we'll be going to meetings soon, we'll see. Um, but, uh, you know, who are these people? And, um, you know, that you can make a change. Now, I will tell you, this is a long, uh, term involvement. It's not something that changes. As you know, it took eight years to get this standard out. Um, usually three to four years. We're starting to rework the standard right now, going through it page by page, line by line right now uh, to change things and update things and clear up things. So um, that's our next project. And we have about five years to do that. So um, before we get a, a new, another standard comes out. We're here to help you through the process. So, you know, when I started on the committee, it was, you know, it was, we were one of the only, we were the only rental company in the committee back 25 years ago, before even before Sunbelt. Uh, but now we have a pretty good contingent and, you know, we are making a difference and we are getting heard. And like I said, we get a lot of our opinions out 
um, when we are, um, you know, sit down. I tell people all the time, sit down with people that don't agree with you at breakfast and lunch and hear them out, listen to what they have to say. And you'll learn a lot about what their, you know, motivations are to do this or that to a lift or make it this way or that way. Um, and then, you know, you get to get hurt, be heard too. And if cost is an issue, which I would think it is, you know, we've got to keep the cost down on this equipment. It's literally, in my 34 years, equipment costs in the airlift business have doubled. Wow. So. That's a lot. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. It was great getting to speak with you more about all of this. Great. Thank you very much for getting the word out. Once again, a big thank you to Jeff for the great conversation. And tune in every other Wednesday for another episode of Rentals The Bottom Line on 4constructionpros.com. And don't forget, subscribe now so you can stay on top of the bottom line. Thanks so much.